Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. All right, now we're heading to the top of the West Coast with Cosmo Kentish Barnes. He's at Little Wanganui with Jake Gibbons, who lives there with his wife, Kathy Blum. The couple have a licence to grow industrial hemp on their 100 hectare block, and at the moment they're doing cultivar and soil trials. Jake takes Cosmo to a couple of paddocks surrounded by native forest. We call this the basin, uh, an area that we're slowly developing, but it's taken us five years to get it to a point where we can actually probably do something with it. Yes. What have you done to make these paddocks fertile? First off, we cleared it. It was all gorse back in the day, so I'd say about 14 foot tall. Impassable. You couldn't even get in here. So first thing I did was aerial spray it, which may not be the thing that most people would like to hear, but Mm. it was the only way to actually do it, and then left it for 18 months, and then came in with a 20-ton digger, pushed all that off to the edges, then cultivated the land itself. Our soils are very acidic and very thin. So what I've tried to do over the course of the last couple of years is put in a cover crop of a mix of grasses and predominantly legumes, whether it be clover or um, several different varieties. I try to create the most diverse fucking ecosystem I possibly could. So this land here is going to be for hemp? Yes, yes. But I know that this particular area needs some regenerative uh, work into both the biochemistry and the biomass of, of, of the paddocks themselves. How important is, is it to get that right for hemp? Oh, it's important for any plant. Um, hemp itself, it, it actually can grow just about anywhere. The question is what kind of quality you want to grow. Mm. But I love it. I think it's a fantastic crop. It can be used for building products. It can be used for food. It can be used for medicine. The applications are, well, we haven't even discovered all the different applications yet. For example, one of the big things I've been talking to with a lot of the farmers, dairy farmers around here, is the old fart tax, carbon credits. There's been a lot of studies done that say that one acre of hemp can sequester the same amount of carbon as one acre of Oregon pine. It takes Oregon pine 30 years to sequester that carbon. It takes 120 days for hemp to do the same thing. Now, as legislation comes in in this country in terms of how that's going to play out, I think hemp is going to be one of the best things that a dairy farmer ever came across. If you can offset his carbon credits that way, well, why wouldn't you put a hectare or two hectares or a paddock in hemp each year as you rotate it around your farm because it also actually has the ability to pull out heavy metals and other bad aspects of soil that you don't want in there. Mm. Were the farmers you talked to quite interested in looking at hemp when it comes available? Yeah, I'm kind of lucky. I'm a triple amputee, so anytime I come up with an idea, they love to come around and just hear it because they think, oh, you're already mad for a start. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they they really have, actually. In fact, each year, um, I've got several different groups of local farmers that have come around and had a look, had a talk about what we're doing. They're interested. So what I'm mostly trying to do at the moment is actually create a seed bank in this particular environment 
So the seed that we got originally was not from this particular area. Uh, as any farmer will know, anywhere you grow crops, you've got certain ones that will do very well or not so well, depending on the actual environment that they're in. So for the last two years now, we've grown in, in a tunnel house, which is 15 meters by 14 meters, upwards of 200 plants. And the ones that are the most successful, meaning like, for example, two years ago, we got hit heavy by mold botrytis. And out of that crop, there was two plants that were completely unaffected by it. So that's the seed I saved. Those are the seeds the seed you want. I sowed the following year. The rest of the seed we were able to use and process for crackers and other bits, but it's about the genetic makeup of the plant that is the most important thing. And that again also takes time. So as I'm waiting for my paddocks, hopefully to get to a point that they'll be exceptionally well to be able to sow in there, by that time I should have some seed stock that is exceptionally suited for this particular environment. If I can accomplish that, then I can prove to all the other local farmers and whatnot that I've got a viable alternative to whatever else they're doing. So it's a, it's a work in progress, but it's, there's, there's a goal, there's a point to it. And you've been talking to a hemp grower I've interviewed in the past, uh, Mac, yep. from uh, South Otago. Yeah, and in fact, that's where we got our seed from, and that's how we've got our start. It's a, it's a long saga. I think it's something that a lot of us have thought about, and few of us have put the amount of time and effort into it. Uh, my experience tells me that hemp was always, in fact, if... If it wasn't for hemp, the British Royal Navy would have never actually gone around the planet and conquered as much as they did. If you think about it, all the sailcloth, all the ropes, all the caulking, everything about it. In the Americas, as colonies, if you were a landowner, you were required to grow a certain acreage of hemp. And it was a necessity. We've gone away in terms of that to other products, so forest industry, the petrochemical industry... But in terms of dairy farmers here, it'd be very simple to offset their carbon credits in hemp. So if I can produce the seed, if I can then come down and sow it, and if then I can turn it back in for them, that's my job. I've done my job. I guess in the future, there is going to be a need for farm advisors who have hemp knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, for a no-legged one-armed guy, that sounds like a good job. (laughs) How did you become a triple amputee? It was all due to frostbite, actually. I got caught out in quite a large storm 14 years ago. So I was working up in a camp up in Greenland, got caught out in a storm for three days and three nights, somehow managed to make it back. But we're still smiling, we're still kicking, we're still laughing, and... I could sit back and do nothing the rest of my life and just claim that I'm disabled and I can't do anything. Mm. And Kath and I had a talk. She says, well, what, what is something else you'd rather do? And I says, well, you know what? Industrial hemp. I think that's, that's going to be one of the key things in the future. I think it's something we can give back to the rest of society. And so we've put our heart and soul on it. It's, that's why we're doing it. I, I can tell you this honestly. I couldn't think of anything better to do. (laughs) And I do mean that. You could mix hemp, I guess, with uh, bioresin and produce a really strong, light material that could be used for a prosthetic arm or leg. And legs, yep. Hemp fiber is actually one of the strongest fibers, Mm. naturally, that we know of. 
So the socket is what uh, my stumps fit into, and that's that's the most important aspect of it. So to paint you a picture, I've got my knees, but I've, my legs are cut off just about halfway down uh, my shin bone, okay, Half, halfway down the leg. So the most important aspect is the fit between my stump and that socket, all right? It doesn't matter what kind of high-tech foot you put on the bottom of it or anything like that. If the fit is not good, you're not mobile. In my arm right now is made out of carbon fiber. Now, if I could actually grow the hemp and use the fiber and then put resin through it and make my own arm, technically speaking, that means I actually grew my own arm back. So I think that makes me almost like Superman. <laughs> I guess hemp will potentially grow really well on dairy farms, but one of the issues is processing hemp at the moment, isn't it? Yep, and that's, that's slowly coming into effect. There is now finally a decorticator, and what a decorticator does is it actually strips the fiber off of the, the stem and the stalk, and then it chips the inner part, which is the actual herd you make into to hempcrete. But it's early days here, so the infrastructure is actually the most important aspect of it at the moment. And then also the legislation is equally as important as well, too. For example, I believe the market's there. We just can't reach the market at the moment because of regulation. So one thing I tell to other people that are trying to go into something like this is you got to have a lot of patience. Yes, yes. Now, Jake, um, before you lost your legs and arm, what were you doing on the ice? Uh, I did a, a couple different things. I was a heavy equipment operator, so bulldozers, cranes, mm. whatever's going on also in charge of making the landing strips for the C-130s to get in and out. I was also a utility technician, UT, which means you're basically in charge of all the infrastructure and making sure it's well-maintained. So, for example, the heat. Now, if the generators go down, you've got approximately in the wintertime four hours to get the generators going again or you're all dead. So you want to make sure that those are functioning properly. And it was also very fascinating. You've got to recreate, or not recreate because you do it every year, basically a town, which is then supportive of all the scientific research that goes on. A lot of people don't realize that the South Pole has been deemed pretty much the numero uno, number one spot for celestial observation. So as, as a young fellow and as someone who is just kind of a, regular Joe just driving a big bulldozer and whatnot, you're having lunch with some of the most preeminent high-energy astrophysicists every day. And it's really nice to be around those guys. Some of them can't tie their shoes, so that's part of our job. But it was, it was fantastic. It, it became a family. We did it long enough where you really got to know the people that you worked with, and we accomplished the jobs and the work that we set out to do, whether it be ice core drilling for upper atmospheric studies or high-energy astrophysics trying to find a neutrino which can pass through the core of the planet that triangulates <laughs> the original start of the Big Bang. I mean, it, it, it's a wide spectrum of, of different things. There was even NASA used to come up with robotics all the time to test them out, both in the north and the south, to see if they do well at Mars. And so far, I think we helped them out. <laughs> do some of those skills come in handy here? Yeah, I definitely think so. One, first and foremost, is just thinking outside the box. All right. If you can open your mind and be like, oh, let's try something different and see how we go. 
and are open to making mistakes, but learning from those mistakes and carrying on, I think that applies to pretty much anything in life, honestly. Kathy turns up, and as it happens, she's also spent time at the polls. I was a garbologist. What's that? <laughs> I took out the trash. <laughs> it was a huge recycling program that they have. Uh, part of the Antarctic Treaty is you pack in, pack out. So whatever each country has brought there, they have to take it away. How long did you do that for? Cool. 96? Since 96, off and on over the years. Yeah. Do you miss it? I miss it, but look where we're at. Yeah. It, I mean... It's, for me, I, I miss it tremendously, but in my mind, you're living in the past and you're living in pain. So, yes, I would love to go back specifically for a winter at the South Pole. Yeah. That was the most incredible, Amazing. otherworldly, beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire lifetime. That was fantastic. We actually met at the South Pole. Most people don't realize this, but it's a really good place to pick up chicks, you know. <laughs> There's only four of them. You got one chance, you know. <laughs> We're still together 20 years later. <laughs> and as they say, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. Yeah. <laughs> North and South Pole veterans and now industrial hemp growers, Jake Gibbons and Kathy Blum. To see their hemp plants and lots of other great photos from today's story, you can go to our webpage. Just type RNZ Country Life into your browser and you'll find us. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.